0: Recording in progress, Pat. Hello.
1: Hey, Sarah, my God. How long has it been since we've seen each other in person?
0: It we're, Well, if you weren't at that last project festival that we played, then it would have had to have been when you were on tour, probably, with Thanatos. I,
1: I, I toured in, we toured in like 96, 97, and then we did another tour after that. I, I, but by, the, by like 98, I was pretty much done doing I'll like do. touring yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that would been, and that would have been when boy my my son was a baby and he's about to graduate from college so you
0: know. yeah so i'm thinking i got it it's just it's it's insane how time has just bulldozered on you know
1: yeah and, and it's funny because i, I don't it's it, it both seems like it was a hundred years ago and yesterday at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't, like, I'm, I'm like, I don't feel any older Right. than, than I was then. And in many ways I'm probably in a lot better like condition because I'm not right. like waking out of my skull, you know, like right. I was a lot of the time back then. And so, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the key deal like get wasted when you're younger and then stop and then you'll feel better when you're older because comparatively you'll feel better
2: yeah
1: <laughs> or you'll die, or you'll die. I mean, yeah well, or yeah. you'll
0: become a hero a terrible addict and die one or the
1: other fortunately for me i don't really have an addictive personality so i got lucky there yeah
0: yeah i don't know it's it it's like that meme that you see every once in a while, whereas say like the 90s or 20 years ago, like it still feels like, it still feels like that. Yeah.
3: If,
1: if you think about it in terms of that, it's like when I graduated from high school, um, like the difference between like the year 2000 and now is like practically, is like the early part of the Johnson administration. I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's how long ago it was. And then like like 1990 would be the difference. It would be like like Elvis Presley. Like the difference between now and 1990 and when I graduated from high school, going back the same amount of time would be like Elvis would, wouldn't have quite appeared yet.
0: Right, it's, it's creepy. Mike always talks about that too with like, you know, a lot of times you'll see like, of course, they're not actually younger now, but people being like, "Well, they're still stuck in like listening to the '80s music and stuff," and like they're young kids now, and it's like that would have been like him listening to like you know swing music or something when he was
1: right, right. It's like you're to not even not even anything that cool. You'd be you listening to like <laughs> fucking Bing Crosby or something. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny. My son, my son was in high school. And I would go, I would pick him up at school sometimes, and I'd be like you fucking kids need to get your own music i feel these kids were in misfit shirts and stuff i'm like those fuckers they were around like they, they had albums out when i was in middle school and i'm yeah. old as dirt and um and i don't have a problem with people listening to older music
2: because
1: I, you know i listen to you know i do listen to stuff like from the that era the big band yeah. era and, and stuff like in, in that time period before that is when you start to get problematic because you're talking. Well, before that, the popular music is actually not very good. I mean, you're talking like John Philip Sousa kind of stuff, or <laughs> Bing Crosby. People don't realize like Bing Crosby was kind of like the biggest star in America. Yeah. And so it's not here. And yeah. it's like, and he's, he's, he's fucking terrible. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't think there's many Bing Crosby fans out there that are going to jump on I don't on think you're going to
0: offend anybody. But you know, what's funny because you and I were talking about music and I was telling you, I really I don't listen to music a whole lot. And I find that when I actually do listen to music, it's stuff like that, though, because like cool music, for whatever reason, has a different connotation to me. And it brings up like, I guess, because I did music for a career for so long and the music is similar, so it makes it feel like it's work in a way. But when I listen to stuff like, you know. Uh, Bing Crosby or bluegrass or hardcore rap it doesn't do it doesn't have the same effect on me so I can listen to that and it doesn't like trigger this weird stress response
1: well well, for for me I think there's like I mean I've always listened to a lot of different kind of music and I like probably the most like the stuff that makes me most relaxed is the stuff that is is music that I couldn't do if I wanted to. Like,
2: you Mm. know,
1: I, I, classical music, like I used to love to go to listen to classical music to see it live and it it would just take me out of my head. It would just be like, or it would like help me order my thoughts. It's a very weird thing, but like hip hop is the other thing is like, I find like, I listen to other, look, when I listen to music, I'm in many ways thinking about production and what I Mm. could steal from it or, but I don't really think that about hip hop because it's, I just think it's ridiculous for somebody my age and with my background to even think about really trying to do hip hop music. And so it's just, I, I love it. And I always did. Um, I, I was one you know, those, of those youngsters who was like, you know, into punk rock music, but then, you know, I can remember the first time I heard the message and I was like, holy shit, you know? And, yeah. and so, and it's always been kind of the same thing. It never entered into my head to try to do that, but I—it it was very, it's very, it's—it's it's like relaxing to me, even though the content makes you angry because it's like the best hip hop music to this day are the people that are singing
2: about. It's,
0: it's very punk, music. which probably—I mean, it's very similar to punk because it comes from the same like pissed off vibe, you know.
1: Right. And, 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 and you know, punk rock. There's a lot of punk rock that is just shit, but at its best. It was like kind of almost a protest music, and I knock that sometimes because I feel like music doesn't do anything. But maybe it inspires somebody to do something. And yeah. and maybe hip hop. I mean, there's all like just like the punk rock. There was a lot of like ah oh, fuck you kind of shit that came out that was just all crap. And I know I went to see all those bands in the '80s when I was a kid. But there's um hip hop, and there's a lot of hip hop with the money, money, you know. Yeah. And, and all that shit and it's like it's funny because as some of those artists and I listen to that music too I, I used to listen to the chronic all the time and um but when you you know those artists are like apologizing for the content of their music now you know because they're looking back on it going oh man you know, why did I say that and you know but it had its place and it's had, it had its time yeah. And I mean, I, you know, then you think of the bands that never had anything to apologize for, like Public Enemy. Sure. People, and because they were straight up righteous all the way through.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, anyway, um, anyway, you know, our like, uh, tribe called Quest would be another one that would lead to mind that is somebody. They were always. I mean, it wasn't a, it, it, Like, and they managed to also be fun. Like they're right. singing about something. And they're doing something fun. And I, I think that is really cool to me. I mean, I listen to all, I listen to country music. I, I, I listen to, but but I listen to more stuff that's not quite country music.
3: Yeah. Like
1: it's kind of, you know, like John Hyatt, Joe Ely, you know, people like that. And, you know, like a lot of those, those the bands that are kind of like, like, it, you know, what is, what is Sharon Bannett? You know, what does she do? Is that like, cause sometimes it almost sounds country and then there's a, then it sounds like straight up like, you know, golf almost. Right. And, and so what do you, you know, what do you, what what is that? And do you really, does it really need to be, does it need a label? Why not to me it doesn't.
0: See, that's been the struggle forever. Like I think any band that's good doesn't fit in a box. They can be, they they can tiptoe around a lot of different genres, you know? Because they're not trying to be something; they're just making music that they in, that they feel.
1: Yeah, that inspires them, or that's like like the, the content. And you know, I, I'm sitting here going on about like I'm perfectly okay with people who don't write songs about injustice. You know, they write love songs. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you know you know Casey and the Sunshine Band. You know, there's nothing wrong with that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that when you Unless you're the person who defines the genre, like like they make up the genre because of you, uh, I find if if you could be put into something neatly, that's problematic. But you know all that shit is just to sell people records. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right. exactly. It's you know, and um, yeah, back in the day, a lot of people got pissed. Um, and I'm talking in the '90s about being labeled goth, and um. And I got that because if you were trying to make a living doing it, you didn't want that hung around your neck. Even if you were into it, it was like you were better off being call- not being called that because for a while it had become something of a joke. You know, there was like Saturday Night Live skits making fun of goth. Right. And it was like it, it, and and the funny part of that, the reason those skits were funny is that they they kind of had a little bit of reality in them.
0: Uh, and I knew people. You know. I'm sure you knew right. people.
1: I also was like, you know, for me personally, it was like I never felt, you know, I never really was comfortable with being called anything.
3: Exactly. Uh, I
1: remember, he, I remember being a high school school kid and like I like my hair standing on end, and I'm when people was like calling me saying punk rock, and I'm punk, and I'm like, fuck that, that's dead, it's over. And keep in mind, this is like 1982, you know, so, yeah. um, uh, and. So I was never comfortable with that. I was also uncomfortable with the notion of even if I wasn't like really, I didn't play like I didn't sound like Bauhaus or the Sisters of Mercy. I knew that fans, people that did like my music, would have considered themselves to be goth. Sure. Um, and I didn't feel like I didn't want to insult people. I didn't. I didn't. I never took. Yeah. I never became angry if somebody referred to the music I did as goth. Um, I think the connotation's different
3: now. Um, I think it I, is,
0: too. I think it's, see, I mean, I know, you know, we had lots of conversations about that back in the day, because, you know, I mean, I can, I can tell you so many different scenarios where people said to us, like, re, like, at way after the fact, oh, yeah, I knew you, I knew, I heard of you guys and stuff, but I never listened to it because I just thought you were a dumb goth band. Well, that's not because we called ourselves goths, because <laughs> we never did. And again it's like you said like duh I understand that people who call themselves goths listen to Lycia but there's also the kid that listens to like shoegaze music and like the metal guy and you know whoever else so it, it you can and call yourself whatever you want just don't apply what you think you are to me that's the that's the right.
1: thing. And I think that it's perfectly cool if somebody really is into like goth. I mean, when I was younger, I became a little bit, not young, young, but younger than I am now. I was a little bit like kind of put off by like, just people who, it just seemed like all they were doing was playing dress up. They didn't even really care about the music. They just cared about the look. And now when I look back on that, I'm like, who cares? Good for them. All they get out of it and it brings them happiness and good for them. But like you said, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a calculation in some ways that you didn't, it was a business thing almost. Like, like at that time, having that hung on you was not a good thing. And it, was also, it also brought certain expectations.
0: Exactly. Right? Because,
1: well, they would book us into these got clubs. And I'm like, it was always, I'm sure, like, the people that they, they I'm sure it was a little bit disappointing.
2: <laughs> of, for some of those
1: people, because they're expecting a goth band, and then I come out, and it's like we don't even have a drummer, you know, or a drum machine half the time. It's like it was always, you know, some later on we did, but like when we first went out, it was like I was listening to some, some of the early Thanatos tour tapes, and our we were weird. <laughs> I mean, it was like wailing electric guitar with an acoustic guitar and a bass, and maybe a little bit of keyboard. No drums, yeah. no beat, no nothing. And it was just like kind of this, it was kind of crazy sounding. And I, it didn't dawn on me at the time um, how, because I didn't think of it as experimental. It was, it was partially the song choice um, back in those days. And then as we went on, as you go around touring and playing in these little clubs, and if you're soft, mellow, people talk over you. Yeah. And, and it's miserable. So then by the end of the time we were touring, we sounded like Led Zeppelin because it was like, you we're gonna play really fucking loud and we're gonna have a drummer and fuck you so
0: um well and i can remember so many times because again i mean you know we would roll up into these goths night goth nights or whatever mike's standing there with his big beard long hair cowboy boots i've got adidas on and people like legit because they didn't know really what we looked like for the most part because back in the day images were pretty blurry and people right. would be looking at us like, well, who are you? Like, why are you even here? And then we'd walk on stage and you could physically see people, some people going, Ooh, oops, you know. Well,
3: also, I, that I was felt
1: like, like, like people went to goth nights because when I was a kid and I went to goth nights and stuff, I went to dance. Right. I didn't want to see some fucking band. And so I, that that was the other problem. It was like. I felt like I was interrupting people's dance nights when I was getting booked at some <laughs> of those places. And I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily feel bad about it then I feel bad about it now, but that now then I felt irritated that I was, you know, in that. And, and I, I didn't know one of the most recent things, I actually got booked to do an acoustic thing fairly recently. And it was at a golf club. And as soon as I walked into the place, I was like, what the fuck did I do this for? And it was exactly that people were there to um, to dance, they didn't want. To, yeah. There were some people that came early to see me, and the whole idea was to play early. But then things got fucked up, and it didn't work. And I can tell you that I would never ever do that again. It's highly unlikely that I play, I'm going to play very much live, um, but I'm never doing that again. I don't
3: think um, you can think get away with it. Well. In
1: Chicago, you can get away with it here in Chicago. I think it. like mo- mostly you're going to be booked by like Sarah, and her nights people kind of expect it not that they yeah. would book me to play at one of their big nights cuz that would board everybody to death. Um
0: so. Yeah, I but, don't uh, think that we would ever play I know for well, I know for a fact we would never play any of those places ever again, ever. It it'll be like art gallery and you know, places that are built to put on shows, not
3: you, dance nights. Right. Like,
1: and, and, it, and none of this is knocking that. It's just an inappropriate not, place. Yeah.
3: There's,
1: because there's like a high energy thing that goes on in any club, whether it's a goth club or any dance club. Yeah. It's like there's like this kind of energy, a high energy vibe. And neither one of us do music that has, a, has like a real high energy to it, you know? Yeah. And, and, there's, and, and even, I remember talking to Tucker, like even when we played live and we kind of rocked things up a little bit, his comment was, it just never, we never get quite rock, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it just, we never, it was like close, but, and, and I remember the first Project Fest when we played, like, people apparently told other people that we were like rock and roll. But if you listen to that set, and I have it on tape, we played three songs with a drummer. We played the first song with a drummer, we played something in the middle with a drummer, and then we ended with a drummer playing a cover of Don't Fear the Reaper. And um, the rest of it's acoustic. Yeah. And with no drummer. And it's like, but compared to everybody else, compared to poor Michael Plaster, who had to walk out with his acoustic guitar after us, um, uh, we sounded like, you know, we were, we were like a rock band. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I don't know. I mean, these, these days, I... I'm, I'm much more focused trying to record shit. Although The only time I ever got excited about playing was when you told me you were booking, looking at booking a show out there and I'm like, book me on that show. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, and the thing is too, back to the show thing, I feel like people would have different expectations now versus back, because back then, I think, cause you remember those goth industrial bands were super popular back in the day and they all had the yeah. look and they, you know, this and that. And then, so there would always be some like band like that opening for us. Then we'd walk out and be like Smoke Machine and you know, which is so common now. Like, I feel like we were, we're in the wrong era, Pat.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's all these, there's all these like kind of dark music bands that have a similar sound to you there you know there were a couple labels that have kind of fallen apart uh, over the past several years but they had all these bands that they played this dark music but they all looked like mike you know they all wore t-shirts right. and jeans. there was no it wasn't like a lot of i mean i have nothing I, I almost envy that because i am just not like i don't have the patience to fucking that's why i like punk rock you can just like put some fucking it's like fucking model glue in your hair and wear clothes <laughs> you found in your mom's closet. And you yeah. know, you're, and put safety pin through your ear, and, you're, and that's all you needed to do. The more ridiculously you looked, the better. And I could live with that. Um, I think I also had an advantage over you guys in that your publicity photos did look god. Mine, they, i just looked like I look. Yeah. Like there was no, there was nothing about. I mean, there was nothing. I'm like I'm standing there in a loud jacket, you know, and yeah. that's what they all look. Like. That's what all my publicity photos. They like you can identify me women, whereas you guys they. They were like stylized. They were like actually, you know, so you suffered for your for your artistic uh, uh, photographs.
0: The positive though now, like let's say we did a show now, nobody would expect us to come out looking like anything but what we look like. I don't think anybody yeah. cares about that kind of stuff anymore. I really don't, you know? I,
1: I, think, I think that that's true in general i think it's true in general i think that there's no in any you could probably find somebody somewhere that they you know and, uh, that thinks how you look matters and they're probably 16 years old and okay. god bless them because that's not everybody is when they're 16 years old yeah i was certain and um but i think you're mostly that's true i think people don't care i've also found that younger people and this is why i love younger people so much people that i mean people under 30 and even under 25 is that they don't give a shit about the genre so much anymore. I mean, yes. I used to go to, I went to a lot of festivals with my son and there'd be these bands that were like hard rock bands and then these bands that were kind of almost ambient and there was hip hop. And you, and I'd be looking at the people and I'd be thinking, there's no way they're going to like this band. And then I, not only do they like it, I'm looking at them, they know the words, you know, like they're actual yes. band. And so I think that the whole kind of like, I have to look like the band on the stage thing is, Fucking out the window now. Yeah, I, and
3: I, I think do, that's I really, awesome. You yeah, know? I do
1: too. I, I, I think people should look however the fuck they want, and I think they should look however the fuck they want, whether they're 16 or 70. Yeah. And if you're a 70 year old, you won't have a fucking mohawk more power to you. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and, and I don't think that that how you look should half to dictate what kind of music you listen to or or art right. you like or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, because so, I mean I know and I know you're this way also, like, we've always liked a wide variety of music, like, do I like some goth bands? Of course, but I also like Conway Twitty, and I also like, you know, hardcore rap, I like Godflesh, you know, blah, 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 so I don't, I, I never, I can never understand the desire people have to, like, label themselves, because to me, to me, that's limiting. If I say I'm this, then I have to be this, which to me just seems silly. But, you know, I mean, some people just live and die by that
1: stuff. And I I think that, and this is like above my pay grade, but what I think that is, is I think that it's people who are are trying to form an identity. And I think that's why you see it in younger people a lot. Like when you're 16, you want to be a punk rocker. You want to be a this, or at least when I was a kid. Like I said, the kids today seem to be a little less focused on that. But they there still are. Um, sure. And so you're trying, you're trying to identify yourself as something. You're trying to form, your identity is forming. And I think that's part of it. If you ask me why that is the case in people who are older, then I am unsure. But I, I would guess it's something similar. I would guess that, it's some, that there are people that are, they, their identity, they don't have a strong sense of who they are.
0: Maybe um, it's a bit of tribalism too. It's like the whole, I'm a Cubs fan. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Bears fan. I'm a, the, you know, like, as I say, Chicago team. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I get people just want to define themselves. And I just, to me, that's personally off-putting,
1: you know, like, well, you I don't you just made me think of it in a strong historical context to that, too, like in the Roman Empire, and especially in the Byzantine Empire, um, there were, like, people identified very strongly with these gladi- gladiators. I guess, I don't know if it's school is the right word, but there were different, like, teams of gladiators, and they were signified by certain colors, and people would wear those colors, and they'd fucking kill each other in the streets over it. And so it goes back that far. I mean, it's, it, it you know, and, and you know, it, it reminds me of like, you know, Raiders fans beating somebody up in the parking lot. It's like the same basic thing. And, um, you know, I, and I remember that like punk rockers, this was a little before my time that I was probably not getting, I was, I didn't look old enough to get into bars, but in South Florida, there was a thing with punk rockers versus surfers and they would fight all the time and fuck with each other and shit. And, and um, and so that is, I mean, that's, uh, to me, obviously, that's like a, a kind of tribalism, but I think that identity, like forming your identity, that's part of it. Um, and, I, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that could, I suppose that could be constructive too, because um, we are social animals, but it's when, sure. you, when you make it ridiculous, when you go to ridiculous lengths. Right. And it, it's over your personality, your individual personality. Um, I think that's a little weird especially in older people
3: so
0: yeah yeah i just have always felt it, it's so it seems so limiting to me to 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 do that to yourself like i'm only this little finite spot here i'm just gonna stay in my lane i mean if that makes you happy and whatever go for it but it just seems very limiting to me you know
1: it, but you know what is also interesting is that i i, I was just cleaning up the fantoke mailing list um, which was got had gotten massive, and I'm like, half these fucking people don't want to be on this. So I'm gonna like try to clean it up a little. bit, And I was spending that, and I asked people questions about how they listen to music, like specifically what streaming services that they use, because I'm I'm working on some of the streaming sites, especially yeah. Spotify. So anybody should, who uses Spotify, go follow Fantasize. You can help me like with my project. Um, but people had a lot of different um, takes. Some people were like. I don't do any streaming. And then some people were like trying to tell me about how streaming works. Well, I, I already know. <laughs> so, but, right. um, but I was asking how they use it, not how it affects artists. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about how it works for artists because people say, I've heard artists complaining about it. I'm going, artists, musicians are always complaining about shit. They all think they should be handed a suitcase full of money every time they put out a record. And guess what? 99.9% of the time that doesn't happen. Like yeah. there's a handful of things that make a lot of money and everybody else is fucked. And yeah. if, you, if you thought you were going to get rich being a musician, odds are you were wrong. And, um, and the truth is that streaming in some ways democratizes stuff a little bit, mm-hmm. um, cause anybody can get their shit up streaming. And, um, and so, and especially things like bandcamp. now back, like I, I don't want to get into all the business stuff cause that's boring, but, but my point is, is that I can go on, these streaming services and listen to something and just kind of thumb my way through things and run across things. And I, somebody tells me a name of the band and I go look Mm -hmm. and I find them, I listen to them and um, like genre doesn't matter. None of that stuff. It's it's all, there's this vast
2: pile
1: of music out there that you can go and get. And um, it, it, you're not bound by like the um, oh, right. buying the physical copy, um, which some people like as a point of pride talking about how they do that, and that's cool. And I always try to make some physical copies and stuff, but at the same time, think of that. Like there was like, at the, at the hipster record stores I went to, they wouldn't have been called hipster, but they went back then, punk rock or whatever, record stores I went to, they didn't have country music. They didn't have jazz they didn't have ambient sometimes. They didn't yeah. have a lot of that stuff. And so you kind of like were funneled, like if you had a certain music that you liked, you went to places and bought things right. related to that. And I just think there's so much more open to you now. Basing up, although they don't pay for streaming, is another thing. That's even more, like literally anyone. I mean, you know, you can get stuff distributed in Spotify and all those places through various businesses, um, but it costs you. And that's the thing. If you only have ten listeners a month, it's not worth the money. Right. Um, but Bandcamp, you can do pretty much for free. I mean, you don't pay anything for that. Yeah. And, I love and Bandcamp. So, yeah, I, I like it. I don't like it for streaming. I wish, like, I, I, because because I, I don't make any money if people stream there. <laughs> but um, uh, I do like it for downloading because I think they have relatively high quality stuff. Um, it also cracks me up when people start talking about like they prefer these really high quality, you know, recordings of my stuff. And I'm like going, Do you know how I record this shit? Like yeah. five pretty fucking primitive shit. Like the you know, the blisters record would sound fabulous, was partially recorded on a fucking sixteen track cassette recorder, partially on an on a uh half inch real to reel, but only a little bit of it and then most of it was like this virtual one this junky ass equipment
0: okay like, not to I'm... mention the fact Pat that back in the day we would trade tapes on these dollar cheap ass pack of tapes that we bought in bulk from the Kmart or whatever and they would be sometimes dubs of dubs of dubs of dubs yeah. because you couldn't go yeah. download and find everything you wanted so you had this friend in Kentucky that had a, a tape. And he'd send you a copy of it and then you'd dub it to somebody. I mean, so quality, whatever, dude. We had you know, we we made do with our cheap ass stuff back in the day.
1: But well, the truth is, the, I interviewed the, the great, the late great country uh songwriter and performer Guy Clark years ago for a publication I worked for, and I forget who he was talking about, but um we were talking about recording and he was talking about recording how he had had a recording studio in his house, but he never used it. So he turned it into a woodworking workshop and made guitars. And, um, but he was talking about somebody and he was saying, yeah, they, how they recorded that was probably on a two track. They probably had a mic hanging in the right. middle of the room. He's like, he's like, but it sure sounds good coming out of a AM radio in your car. That's how it needed to sound. And, um, these days with digital, you do get a better sound, but a lot of the stuff I have going into the digital is um, questionable. So, there's, I mean, you know, it's like if you get the, if you take the first two fans records and you were like really going to be audiophile and get these best, the highest quality of those you could get, I mean, there'd be a lot of hiss in your future because we used to have to roll stuff off and like the instrument came off, we'd have to like Clip them because you could you could hear the hiss when stuff was loud. The hiss from the tape or from the whatever God knows what you know. We did some stuff that just there's a weird sound coming out of the microphone. Sure. And it's like well let's record let's record that. That sounds cool. And you know and it, it it's accompanied by all kinds of shit, but it sounds cool. So who gives a fuck about that?
3: Well and, and you know,
0: Mike has never used any kind of fancy equipment. I mean we use SM58s to record our vocals. We don't. You know, everything is like cheap equipment that when I mean, Mike's still using acid to record, you know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, you, I don't I, think I, it matters. Wasn't Ionia recorded on a FOSTEX 424 cassette thing? I think,
0: yeah, so was Start yeah. Corner, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was back four tracks, <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I actually recorded like one of my records, uh, I Am Not Job has two songs that we recorded, also recorded on the FOSTEX. One of them is a Billy Bragg cover. The other one, I don't remember which song. Did I have to go look at it. But um, I actually gave that away, and I regret it now that I gave it away because I would like to have it now because yeah. I am, like, recording like I'm hopeless. I'm, like, I am not an engineer. And, um, like, the software makes me nervous. I know how to use it, but I just it, it, I, it, I, I'm just not – that doesn't work me so i actually like i want to have hardware yeah you know i don't really want like tape because tape's a pain in the ass but like digital hardware is what yeah. I'm, where i'm headed to when it comes to trying to record and by myself and things like that
0: um well that's kind of why mike hasn't switched from acid because he knows that program backwards and forwards so having to like learn a new program and all of the process of that and you know figuring out the tricks all over again he's just like why you know
1: if, if it works, it works. And, and
2: exactly.
1: like and the thing is, I remember reading a review of one of the like PR records, that I it might have been Star Corner, um, because I don't think I was working at Project yet when like when the Ionia came out. Um, and it was like talking about it was like some writer waxing eloquent about the, the sound recording and how this and that, and they were completely wrong about everything. They were like, I'm like, you have no fucking idea what you're talking about. But thank you, it's a cool review. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's funny,
0: everyone's like, oh, cold, cold is so great and blah, blah, blah. Dave's, the the equipment he had, the recorder had mold growing in it. So if you listen to the song later, you can hear it warbling and people assume that's effects. That was his machine dying, literally dying. There was mold growing in it and it was dying
1: just hilarious when i recorded um i think it was the first thanatos record with sam the board literally at one point shot flames out of it something caught on fire (laughs) (laughs) and and we had to take the board get in sam's car and drive down to orange county to walter holland's house to have walter fix the board so he could finish recording the record And, and the first two records are all on half inch tape and uh, and then part of the Blisters records on Happen State, but it's like it's just such a hassle, it's so expensive to do that, and I, I mean, if you were using vinyl, maybe, but I've been in mastering with people, and it's like, I have an okay ear, I can hear when something's off, I can, better, ni- better than probably 90% of the people on Earth, um, and I think that's not bragging, because I think there's a certain, some people are completely tone deaf, some people are but then there's that little group of people that is a minority who can hear like, I was in a mastering thing and they were talking and they're hearing like 0.001 megahertz difference in things and I'm like, I can't tell them Any, I don't even know what you're fucking talking about it's like, and <laughs> and they're fixing it and I'm all like go, more power to you fix it, but at the same time I'm thinking nobody's going to hear the difference.
0: Right, no one cares and, um, really.
1: Yeah, I mean if there's something really wrong, yeah. um, then I get it. And I, I, I've had that misfortune i have recorded with a lot of people who are like deferential to me because I, like, I'm weird with recording. I, I prefer recording to like—I don't know. It, it depends on what my mood is. I don't really love playing live, and I don't really love recording. I actually love writing the song. Um, but uh, uh, when I'm recording, I, I get kind of tense. And um and so I'll, sometimes I'll play faster or I'll play and I make mistakes and yeah you know, I've had people be like oh the mistakes are part of the charm I'm like no they're fucking mistakes and that kind of stuff is intolerable to me like if you're missing notes or you're fucking yeah. something up and um
3: for sure but then
1: but even that I was just listening to it tonight I did a cover of Leonard Co and Hallelujah on the Coyote in the Graveyard record. And um, I didn't want to, I had recorded that ages before that I really got to work on that record. And I didn't want to, I had just said, fuck it, that's shit. I don't want to do it. And then I listened to it again. And my my only gripe was when I was changing chords, I deadened the string mm-hmm. at one point. And it, it kind of sounds thunka thunka thunka. But the only, that is one of those cases where the only person who knew that was a mistake is me. Yeah. And and so you have to kind of be able to balance that. Yeah. You can't freak over every little thing, but you can't let obvious shit go.
0: Right. Mike's got certain songs like, you know, that really bother him because he knows what it was supposed to sound like. And like, to me, I'm like, it sounds fantastic. He's like, yeah, but you don't know what it was supposed to sound like like yeah it's so nothing,
1: like, that, like that. nothing ever sounds like I mean it to when I start um very rarely sometimes I do but very rarely and it's like I remember there was a song I forget which song it was I was ri- I was blatantly ripping off an- another song I'm not going to mention what song it is because I don't want to get too I actually it's un- you can't tell and I fuck it up so bad that you can't <laughs> tell that I'm ripping off that song I'm like I want this chord thing and it works but it's like it's you know it's, it's like almost like how you use it you take a sample out of something and you detune it to the point where you can't where yeah. you speed it up or whatever they, you can't tell what it is but it's still cool uh, I mean the the Blisters record that's a gigantic lawsuit that whole record is <laughs> like oh my god they, like the uncleared samples on that record are like insane and I didn't even, I didn't even know it at the time because I wasn't familiar with some of the music that was turned up sampled and then there was um there was a particular jazz let's say a jazz I'm not saying the name a jazz guy who veered over into kind of electronic music back in the 80s and I had heard, I knew his music but there was a record by him I didn't know and I hear it I'm like Holy shit! That is like the most blatant fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. It's so obvious, and it was it's in one of the songs. And and I, you know, I just it's like I didn't recognize that song because that's the one record where I had almost nothing to do with the music. Huh. Tucker did almost all. The, I did the melodies and I wrote all the lyrics, obviously. Um, but the the music and the structure, like a couple of the songs, I came in and said, like you know, uh, no longer at ease. I wrote the chords. Uh, the basic chord progression and a couple of the other songs, I came in with a chord progression and then he would take it and run wild with it. Um, so most of the music, um, I, I didn't do, um, I was there when we were recording, obviously, but I didn't do it. And then the samples came in and, um, uh, um, you know, it's funny because some of them I knew and I was like, yeah, that ain't going to work. But the ones I didn't know, how could I, hey, somebody just pop their head in there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he let, Dirk me, likes to come and sneak his face in every once in a
1: while. Hi, Dirk. I, I've <laughs> never met him, but I feel like I know him because I've seen him. Hey, Dirk, come here.
0: Yeah, he's, I think, I think a lot of people feel like that because they've watched him since even before he was born. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. Um, He's, uh, he's, he got an electric guitar for Christmas. So he started learning his electric guitar. He's going to start taking keyboard lessons and he does viola. So he's uh, interested in the family business, I guess. (laughs) Anyways. My
1: my son, my son's studying psychology. So that's awesome. too. He doesn't doesn't play an instrument. Um, I got him instruments. He just never really had a I think he wanted to learn them, but like you have to actually practice these stuff. So, right. Um, I I took lessons when I was a kid, but I have never like a lot of the other things. Like I never took lessons on the bass. I never took lessons, and I pl- I can play I I can I play bass because I have to if I'm going to do it recording, and um I've got a keyboard now and I can play one handed, you know, but uh I never took lessons on anything other than the guitar. Oh, I, I you know what that's not true. I took band piano lessons. Um, but I don't, I barely remember any. I was actually just thinking I was writing bass lines the other day and I'm going, you know, I never learned how to read music in the bass clef. I can read treble class because I played the guitar and that's how I learned. And I'm like, man, I, in college, I took a class where I learned a little bit about how to write in the bass class. Like that would be really useful. Like writing these bass lines that I could actually write it down instead of trying to fucking remember it or record it with my phone or whatever because um, that's what I usually Mike do. Mike doesn't
3: do any of that.
0: He doesn't Mike does I don't think I think Mike might be able to read music a little bit, but he doesn't do any of that either.
1: Well I I've never I've in my lifetime I've actually notated one song. I like yeah. what I wrote down notes. I did that for one song. And it's on the first Sanitose record. Um the song uh um It's the that's the only one I ever notated and when I notated it the lyrics were completely different it was a totally different song um, and then I changed the lyrics to make it about something else but when you're writing a bass line like when you're writing chords to a guitar you can just write G D suspended fourth whatever the fuck it is but when you're writing a bass line those are notes and it's like much harder for me to remember
2: mm. that. I
1: can remember like I was writing something last time like oh this is a really good bass line but I didn't record it and so I know where my fingers went, but I don't know the rhythm I
3: had. Yeah.
1: And so I'll probably never be able to come up with that yeah. again. Um, and so you know, I, I've actually become very bit like, you know, the first Anastasia's record came out in 93. Two years later, there was another one. Two years later after that, there was another one. And then I didn't do a record for like five years, six years or something like that. And then it was like eight years. Yeah. The record, um, exterminating angel. I used to always say that record was like my Chinese democracy because it took so fucking long for it to get done. <laughs> I like, I took a hot sauce bottle through my hand. It severed all the nerves to my thumb, oh and my so God. it fucked. Not only did it fuck my hand up, like I couldn't use this hand for a while, and then I had to have sur- Then after that, I had to have surgery on the hand. That pushed it even further back. And then I still don't can't feel part of my hand, and so I had to adjust holding the pick. Oh my like I god! Would, I would drop the pick out of my hand when I was playing because I couldn't feel it. And um, and so it was kind of an adjustment. Um, actually, part of the that, that happened before the I Am Not Joe record actually. So it's not even that that didn't even contribute to the length of time in the other one. Now that, now that I think of it, because uh, I'm trying to think which record was it? Fuck, I don't remember. Actually, you know what? It is Exterminating Angel because Askelon Sane is on that record. And when I went out there to record with him, we recorded several songs, and I could hardly play. And he's a really good musician anyway, and he played um, guitar on the song Brother Dragon, and he played guitar on uh, there's one other one, and then there's Carrick Fergus who did this. I I wanted to do this Irish, Irish song, Carrick Fergus, and I was like, I, I just couldn't play right, and yeah. um, and Ash just bang played that song like like arranged the new version of it in his fucking head. It's like eight minutes long, and did it in one take. Yeah, and he's then, still
0: like crazy genius level.
1: Yeah, brain. and then mirac- miraculously, I sang the vocals straight through in one take. We had to punch him one thing that I fucked up, and that's it. And that's. I mean, I, I tend to do that when I'm doing vocals. Like, like I've worked with people who are like, Sam Rosenthal used to do this to me where you're like, oh, do another, do something else, do another vocal take because, you know, there's, so, and it's like, you know, I can do 50 vocal takes and they're all going to be pretty much. Nice. <laughs> you know, there's, it's like, it's like you were saying about the microphone. I get people would have these fancy microphones. that yeah. Pick up. And it's like, all you're doing is picking up me going, and that's what you're it's picking. Right. You're gonna pick that shit up, and then you're gonna to have to clean that up. Yeah. I'm like if, if fucking Bono can sing using a SM57 in the control room, then I don't need anything. That I mean, I do have a blue microphone that I got recently, but I got that. I probably would use it for vocals too if I was recording here. But I really got that to record instruments. Yeah. And I'm like you guys. I, I I'm fancier than Bono because I use a I use
3: an SM58 usually.
0: Yeah, it's funny. My, we, we bought a fancy microphone one time, and we went to record it, and I said, I hate this microphone. It's like you said, you could hear, I don't want to hear my spit in my mouth. It's right, disgusting.
1: Right. I, Tucker and I were recording one time, and he had, I, it was some kind of really fancy mic, some kind of high-end AKG, I think. And it was like, no, I wasn't recording with him then. He was recording with somebody else who shower remain nameless. And they were being a pain in the ass that they were recording demos at his place. And the microphone was like, it was so sensitive. And it's weird to me because usually they have a range that they pick yeah. up only within a certain range. But this mic was picking up trucks on the street. <laughs> like you can hear them rumbling past. And I'm like, what is the point of that? And yeah. I mean, maybe there was something wrong with that. And it was probably more that it was picking up vibrations that got into the house. It wasn't like the actual, you know, like the truck drives by and the windows rattle, you know, and, you know, it's probably picking that up rather than, but usually like those mics, you're getting it only they they won't detect anything that's past a few feet, um, but not always. And I just I've never I've never seen the point. I always felt like you know it's the old it's the fifty dollar saddle on the twenty dollar horse thing. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, within, like right it's a, it's only so good. I'm gonna sound, you yeah,
0: know. I think it's too. I, can, I think it might be the punk rock background in all of us that we're just like we don't need this fancy shit. Like we'll just do what we do, and you know, you like it or you don't like it. It's it's whatever.
1: Well, I mean, I've had the I've had a luxury of recording with a lot of people who knew, really knew what they were doing, and it's funny because Sam 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 did know what he was doing when when I was recording with him the first record. But he knows a lot more now. Like he's way better in the studio now. He's very good. The last record, Portland, that I recorded with Sam was actually a joy to work on. Um, but I've also had work with, you know, I love the country record I just did the cover uh, with William Faye. And I mean, that record sounds way better than it should. It's just me and a guitar. And I wanted to add stuff to it. And William was the one who convinced me to just leave it as is. Um, but he's great. And then I worked with Tim Larson, whose home studio I recorded a couple of records at the uh, coyote in the graveyard and exterminating angel. A lot of those records were recorded at his place. And he really, um, was, was good at, at like, kind of like coming up with like, like, like talking me off the ledge when I didn't like something or whatever. And so I, I really had a lot of luck. Tucker was great. Eric, um, uh, Greg Lucas, who's the guy that his project called manipulator, which is all continents and then L I, don't know. I mean, You could manipulate it, but just take all the vowels out, and I think that's up on Bandcamp. I think that's up on Bandcamp now, and I really like that record. His, his music a lot, but I worked some a part of a record with him, and they all just were really good at, to work with. But most of them didn't have particularly sophisticated equipment. Right. Um, I mean, William William obviously has kind of a commercial studio that he thirteen studios where people can you know pay and go in and record stuff, and um, and so uh, that's probably a little more sophisticated. And Sam has a nice setup now, too. Um, but it's, none of it is, like, expensive recording studio shit. Yeah. I wouldn't even know what to do It's that, so you know? funny
0: because people, like, you know, people always, like, oh, yeah, we're going into the studio, and, you know, you have this thing in your mind that they're in this actual studio. Like, literally, <laughs> when we record... Mike is in our bedroom, laptop open on the foot of the bed, sitting on a foldable chair, microphone stand, guitar. Like that's, and then if I do come in and do vocals, you're sitting in the folding chair with your SM50, you know, there's nothing. And then when we're done, we pack it up and put it under the bed. It's like,
3: (laughs) there's no- I I
1: don't don't like, um, I like to, I would prefer to record Vocals without anybody looking at
3: me. Yeah,
1: um, but in oh. recent years, it's been impossible because the people I've been recording with they don't have a setup where there's a vocal booth, so I'm fucked. And so I had to get used to just being there and singing, and, um, and so I got over that little little phobia. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you know, Sam at Sam at both his old house in California and then where he lives now, he basically has a room. It's like the studio room.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And, um, and so that's what, I mean, it's funny how we record it. It's like it's just, when I went back to, I had recorded a record with him for 25 years. When we went back and we're recording, it was like, it was the same exact shit, how we did it before I would come in, I do my parts, And then I kind of go in the other room and I sit there and he plays it back and, you know, fixes any fuck ups or things that need fixed. And then he starts adding, his like, he said, well, what do you want me to do? And I'd be like, kind of like general, like low end, high end, whatever. And, you know, sometimes I'll tell him, like, you know, he's adamant against using marimbas, like I made him use on the first record. But I sit in the other room and I listen to him, what he's doing. And it's kind of like, I don't think, if it's good, I just sit there and listen. And if it's something I don't like, I'll holler out and, you know, and, you know, it, it was just, it was exactly the same way we recorded stuff um, yeah. in the past. I mean, the, the problem with that is, is that we're, I, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to get, like, a lot of different sort of material, because I think we both kind of, like, we kind of, we do what we do.
3: Yeah.
1: And so it'd be kind of interesting. Like, I think that if we ever recorded again together, I would love to, like, toss something weird into the mix. Like have some other person like do something, um, like just to fuck things up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, I you know I play all, all the guitars on the, that record, the Portland record, and like people were like, wait, you play the electric guitar too? You know, like you uh, uh you know, yeah you, know, you and it's like it's a fucking guitar. I mean yeah. I can, I'm not like you. Really, don't want me doing the leads on a, like a on a metal album or anything. But um, you know, I've been playing the guitar for 40 something years. Do you know one of the things that never happened at Project that was my brainchild that it just it just never really it had come up, and I don't even know if Sam would remember this, and I don't know if I even told you or anybody else about this because it just never really kind of came together. But I had this idea back in the days, this was in the 90s, that we should um, have different bands pair off and do like an EP together.
0: Oh, I, I remember that.
1: Yeah, and yeah I like, remember that. Like, like, Black Tank does a record with, you know, Michael Plaster, or
2: yeah. and I
1: always wanted to do a Thanatos with Lycia like records. That was what I wanted to do.
3: That would have been and, fun. Um,
1: yeah, but it just, it just never really, it. it, it, it It's a it's a it's a daunting project. Let's just say.
3: Yeah.
1: Because everybody lives in different places. I think at that point, like I think I we were back in Chicago. Love spirals downwards or love spirals. I don't know if they were love spirals downwards still then. We're in California. You guys were in. I think you were in Arizona at that point. We were
0: in Ohio at
1: the point. We have been in Ohio. I don't remember exactly. Um, And you know, other people were like Steve Roach would have been. some of the people like what incentive does Steve Roach have to do that? <laughs> you know, because like he puts out four records of his own stuff a year and does well with it. And so like, what was in it for him, but he did. I remember talking to him years ago where he said he wanted to do an industrial record and just call yeah. it Roach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were like- tripping back into the broken days. We went in uh, down to Tucson and he added his little touches to it. And that was, I mean, so we sort of
2: collaborated a little bit with him on that.
1: Well, I, would see, I would have loved to have seen him do a record with like Martin, like Patrician yeah. Me. Because, like, like you got that industrial rock, you got that like, like meticulous kind of ambient music. My gripe with a lot of ambient music is its lack of musicality. Like, it's yeah. like, mm,
2: yeah. Mm, yeah. And like a monkey
1: could do it. A right. monkey could do it. Right. Not Steve Rhodes. Or no. oh, Robert Lynch, or people like that. There's this. Right.
2: There's this. Next this, level. This,
1: this sonic. Like, it's not even necessarily that they're playing something. Like, it's like the, the, like the whole. That's one of those things where you can tell them. You can get the. Like, if you have a good stereo system. Yeah, like, yeah,
3: yeah, you know, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, that's the kind of music that you're like. It matters. every Yeah, little like
0: Coil. Music. Remember Coil? How
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Coil was like that. You know, yeah, every frequency matters in that yeah. that kind of use. But yeah, yeah I, I just it's one of those things. Like I, I, it was also funny. Like every I don't know how many years or so, like after the the last project fest single date when they did some other ones here and there, but they weren't kind of the real. They were all just they were basically shows
2: because they're yeah. usually
1: one day. And um, and we we had talked a couple of times about doing a another project fest. So it was just like we would talk about it, I would start thinking about it, I'd start figuring, it, and then it would be like, oh, fuck this, you know, because it was like-
0: You know, was, we could was, probably end up making that happen probably in like Portland or something.
1: I, I mean, the, the, the real problem is, is that like my view, like when we first start wanting to do that, I remember like there were a couple people and even the guys at the theater, uh, the Vic Theater where we did the first two, I think they did the third one there too, um, the, the two nights at the Vic, the guy was like, "Do you really want to use a theater this big? Why don't we?" And I'm going, "Oh yeah," because they didn't realize we had the first year we had like 900 people per night.
3: Yeah, it was place.
1: a big deal. And then the second one we had 1,100, which is pretty close to selling the venue out. I think it holds 12. It, yeah. It, how how many bowls depends on how they set it up.
2: Sure. But I think
1: the max is 1,200. And so it was those shows did really well but it took a year's worth of promotion. People sure. don't realize like we, we decided we were gonna do the first one a year before it happened. And the, the PR doing the, the press for that, it started worldwide. And we worked, I work, and we, mostly me, worked world, cause Sam had other shit to do, like putting out records and running the actual business.
2: You know?
1: Okay. Uh, uh, world, worldwide, contacting people in Australia and fucking Germany and all over the world, in Japan, a guy from Japan came, a journalist came and interviewed us. And I, I still have the articles. They're all in Japanese. And they're like, my name. And I'm like, I wonder what that quote says. You know, because yeah. I can't read it. And right. You got that right. Um, but, um, uh, and then we brought it in. And then it was like, okay, North America. We're talking to people, Canada, Mexico, the United States. And then it was the United States. And then it was, like, regional, like, right, like a month or two before you're trying to get the people that could drive in from Indiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, the last couple of weeks, you've just beaten the bushes to try to scare up anybody in this area who would show up. And so that, my view on it, if you're going to do it, you got to do it like that. Yeah. And that means, that means somebody has to come up with a bunch of fucking money, right? Because rental on that theater was, like, a lot it would yeah.
2: get like
1: 15 grand or something like that per night or something like that. And um, I may be wrong on that figure because I don't, I have a mind like a, not a steel trap, the opposite <laughs> of a steel trap. Um, a sim? But still, I, mean, I, I mean, I think, I, I've always thought that if you could get and people like certain like the bands, that are the most important bands to have would be like the, uh, um Love Spiles Downwards, and uh, probably black page. Um, but I also think some of the, like, I, I hesitate to do it all just the older band. I mean, this is never gonna happen. I'm just saying like, you could do it and you could make it work, but somebody really has to believe in it and, tri- and cough up the money for it. And, you know, I, I actually have talked to people about doing festivals who were wealthy fans. This is when I lived in Florida. And I said, you know, we could do a festival here in the wintertime. In South Florida, and we would do really well because first of all, everybody wants to get the fuck out of Minnesota and shit when it's four degrees out, like it is right now here. That's like ten degrees. Yeah. And so you could do a festival here, and it was like, but they didn't know anything about how to do a festival because, but they were going to give the money for it, so they were like in charge, even though they had no idea what, how it worked. It was going to be their thing, and they were going to be in charge, and they were going to, and it was just like that yeah, won't work, you know what the fuck you're doing. And then you're going to yeah. start handing out favors and be like, "I'm going to book my friends' band. Uh, they're a reggaeton band. Why would you book them?" At, you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's very South Florida because that's what hap- That's what is almost guaranteed to happen there if you have outside money come in. And so I don't know. It's a fantasy, but Sam and I would come up with this every four or five years, and then we would, blah, fuck it," you know, and, and it would never happen.
0: Can you imagine um, the original the original lineup?
1: I think that would be cool. I'm trying to think who was the first night. Who was the first night? It was
0: Arcanta, I think.
1: Well, he's still around here somewhere. I don't know if he performs anymore, but
0: I think it was Arcante.
1: Well, Steve he, he played both nights, didn't he? Or was he that played, the second?
0: I think season? he. I think he closed both nights. Maybe.
1: No, I think he opened both nights.
0: Maybe I think he played
1: both. Yeah, and then the first night was like I think you played.
0: We were, um, I think, the last band on. The, no, we were the second to last band on the.
3: No, well, how
1: I arranged the how I arranged the night of the first festival where we we put a band. We like everybody thinks like the purpose of having like the little band goes first. The next is the bigger band and band like, and it's so for people's fucking egos and shit. We didn't do that.
3: Yeah, we put we a not. big
1: band. We put a big band first. first and a like the band people wanted to see first and last yeah like i think black tape played last i think you played your first or last one night love Charles played I, first.
0: I might have played first i can't remember though
1: i think we played first the night i played and it was supposed to be then me then um Sean. love life's crushing but love life's crushing he disappeared and he had to change the thing so uh, Michael Plaster did have to come out and play acoustic right after us, which was horrible for him. But he was great. I thought he played great, but it was And just Sean
0: like, Foley was there too. That
1: was the second year, I think. Maybe. I Can't
0: remember.
2: I don't,
1: You don't know have to. Go, I'd have to go look because I fucking. That's pathetic. I can't remember. It was like I remember the first year it took was a long my. Time. That was my. It was 1996. It was my 30th birthday. Um, was one of the festivals. The nights was my 30th birthday, um, but they both went, I mean, I thought both of those were, um, were fun. I mean, I, like I don't know that I have it in me to really do that kind of stuff anymore. I mean, I, I, I still know how, but promoting an event, I don't know that I have, I don't know that like, I think there's two things that are required when you're booking and promoting is you have to be really focused and detail oriented and, like, I'm not normally that, but when it comes to promoting something I am, like, you don't want me handling the money, but as far as, like, the organizing of the actual show, I have yeah. a pretty good idea to do that. And um, But you also have to be, like, a dick sometimes. Like, you really have to be, like, ready to just tell people to go fuck themselves. And that was the same thing when booking, when I used to do the booking for projects. I used to, I used to call people up and threat, I would be like, I'm going to break your fucking kneecaps with a baseball bat. I remember one time it was Lycia because they were supposed to have food. Like, I convinced you guys to go on tour. I think you were with them. And Mike had just found out he had diabetes. Yeah. And I was, like, telling him it's very – I'm, like, this is not picking the green M&Ms out. This is – you have to be there. There has to be food. It's a health matter. Yeah. And the the guy didn't – wasn't there. And I called people, and they told me the bari was he was at a different bar getting drunk. And I called up and was like, I am I told him I was gonna fly down there and break his fucking leg. He didn't get his ass over to the fucking thing. And so I'm not that big of a dick anymore. And so maybe I'm not suited
2: to yeah. doing
1: that sort of thing anymore because you kind of do wind up having to like scream yeah. at people.
0: I think Cambridge had to do some of that for us too. Like I, I, I feel like I remember them having to threaten people also.
1: <laughs> they were they were good um up to a point they were a good booking agency and good up to a point um i, I felt like um
0: they were good to they, talk.
1: they were they were very good at they did a lot they got us into like they were way better at booking than i was um uh but toward the end i remember there was a a story that was funny there was like we were doing a 3 day we we're going to do a 3 day tour and I forget who all I, I don't remember, there's three bands. I don't remember who the third band was, but it was Electric Hellfire Club, Sanitos, and somebody else. And we were gonna do this um three day tour. And this was the last time Bayridge never would talk to me again, even though I it turned out I was right. Um, and what what happened was is they were um they had one promoter doing two of the shows. And um or at least two, he might have been doing three, but he was doing a show at the Fantasies, and he was doing a oh. show in Columbus, Ohio somewhere, I don't remember what the venue was, and, um, and the obviously Fantasies in Cleveland, and I called the guy up, and I talked to him for like five fucking minutes, and I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, he's full of shit, and I called Bay Ridge and told him that, and he fucking went off on me like, oh, bullshit, and fuck you, and and, and um. I was like, all right, okay. Well, Thomas and whoever else was on that tour went out. When they showed up at the Columbus show, the venue was like, what are you talking about? There's no show tonight. Like there wasn't even a show. It was never booked.
2: Oh like they never,
1: they never called the venue. And I don't know what happened in Cleveland, but I, it might've been the same sort of thing. Like it was just like, the guy was just a fantasist who like like bullshitted them. And they never back, they never tried to backstop or check with where he booked. Like you always got to call the venue. Like, yeah. if you're the bank, if you're the booking agent, you don't just trust some other fucktar to do it for you. You have to fucking wow. actually follow up. And, you know, I don't know, maybe they were having a hard time about, you know, something else. Maybe they were working on a big tour with somebody else and it just wasn't a big deal for them. But um, that really, I know that fucked Thomas uh, Thorne up pretty bad because I remember he had to, like, we wound up going back and, like, working at a porno shop in Wisconsin at the time Uh, but we, so I mean, I didn't I didn't have to go work at a porno shop because I didn't do the shows, and it, and it winds up costing me money because he was like me. It's like <clears throat> when we went on tour, I paid the band for the tour; they were paid. Um, it wasn't like Tucker went out on tour with me for free. He got paid, and right. um, and uh, uh, and same, same with Eric. Um, maybe when we did a show here and now, even I even just for shows tried to pay people. And so, I know Thomas did the same thing. I had a hired band, and so you book this band to go out, and then your show's all bail on you. You still have to pay them.
0: Sure, right.
1: So it fucks you up really bad. It's not. It's not like, you know, I I run into a lot of people, and you know, we're we're talking about playing shows and touring, and I'm like, I'm playing in Chicago sometimes. I don't give a shit if I get paid. Because a lot of times I'm just recording the show and I'm doing it for fun or whatever.
2: And I don't care.
1: And um and sometimes I have done things in other places where I used it as an excuse to go there. Like yeah. I had to go there anyway. So I was like, why not play a show? And so I don't worry about it too much. But when you go out and do shows when you're touring, it's your job. Yeah. You know? And like there's a, a lot of musicians who are not like me. They're musicians who have decent jobs. And so they don't care. They they they'll go out and play for nothing because They don't, they have a day job. I don't. Like, I work doing freelance shit, you know, and whatever I can make money at here and there. And, um, but I sure as fuck am not going to go out and play shows and tour and make no money. It's just not going to happen.
3: Right, right.
1: And also back in the day, you could eat it on a show here and there because you would sell t-shirts and you would sell. Yeah. And that that just doesn't really work anymore, you know?
0: Right. Well, and too, like, you know, (laughs) I feel, I feel like now, because we do have jobs, it's like, I have to, I have to be able to justify taking time off from my job
3: to go do something.
1: I've known musicians who like, they they had real jobs, but they also were like, they were serious musicians and they would get a band of people that were talented, but like them. And like you're describing, there were people who worked doing this or they had real jobs, responsible jobs. And so, if you're going to try to do a tour, it's hard enough. Like like it's hard for you to figure out one person or two people
2: how yeah. to do it. Right. Now
1: you got four or five, and they're all different, all with different kinds of jobs. Right. right. And how the fuck do you coordinate that so everybody can take a week off? Even
0: it's impossible. Well, we have the the child also.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> you know. Right.
1: Yeah, and and so you know that's why you hire people if you yeah. can afford to do. Because you pay them, you know, like, you know, it, it, like I'd say a week out for, it, like, you pay every, you obviously pay all the expenses, like you pay for food, you pay for, sure,
3: you
1: know, all of the hotels, gas, all that shit, but you also, um, you also have to pay them something, right? And I, you know, um, and, and but but that enables you to, um, be able to actually tour. Um, I've had it.
0: If, if we do it, it's going to be very simple. It'll be Mike and acoustic guitar and two, two microphones and a bunch of pedals. And then we will bring a sound guy with us. So that will be our hired person. You know, we never had a sound man back in the day. And that was one of Mike's huge reasons why he quit playing shows because you there was no Consistency on what you were going to sound like
1: every well, single. Our joke was the guy talking to the mic going one, two, <laughs> one, two, and then if you got a guy who did one, two, three, you're like, holy shit, he can count to three! And, and that was the, that was the genius sound man. I remember what show in Pittsburgh, like I think the most unprofessional thing a musician can do is talk to the sound people from the stage. Yeah. I think you do a hand signal or you tell somebody else to go tell them. I hate when people converse with the person. Yeah. So I don't I never did it. But at this one show, the guy was just he, he was just fucking randomly fiddling with stuff. And so in the middle of the song, I thought, but what the fuck are you doing? Like so taking the monitors out and stuff, like like he was just like like didn't have it like, what does this do? You know, just,
3: just leave it all alone. Keep your you know, hands fuck, off of the knobs. Yeah. Just fucking <laughs> keep your hands up and leave it be.
1: And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I understand that that pain, especially if, if it's like we were a more straight, straightforward by the end, the bigger tour we did at the end of the touring, Thanatodes, and then anytime we did short tours after that, or short, like two, three date things, it was a, like a pretty much a straight up rock band. Bass yeah. player, guitar player, guitar player, drummer, you know, but not too hard to deal with. They're used to that. But you get somebody has a, a line out it's a foot pedal two vocal mics I'm like for some reason that should be simpler but no
0: well you know like Mike the- always had the problem getting feedback on his vocals so I mean it was a nightmare nobody could ever get it right I don't Sam actually did a really good job doing sound he's bro- good. Yeah, but, yeah he's good yeah but I mean <laughs> Who was that one guy? There was Str- the guy from Stromkern, I think, did sound for us a couple um, times. Oh,
1: this guy! I, I, um, I'm, oh man, how is his name eluding me? Um, I can see his face. I know. Oh my God. He was good. He was friends so. with um, with the uh, the drummer from Santa, one of the many hundred drummers there, yeah. the and was like that. Um
0: so when when we had sam it was fine and like when we lucked out and had a guy like that we were fine but like generally speaking nobody knew at that at that point nobody knew what the hell to do with all that affected guitars
3: and
1: whatever i also i also felt like when i was coming to town if it was like a music venue venue they weren't bringing their a person in for that (laughs) night because they told they were going for the $50 guy, not the $200 guy when I was playing there. And so I always, I always felt that was part of the problem. Uh, and I was never one to do a big sound check. I always like, was like, your sound check should take like fucking five minutes. Like yeah. If you can't do the sound check in like 15 minutes, you should go do another job. And, um, and, and unless there's an absolute, some kind of problem
3: sure.
1: with something. And then that in that wrong. case... Go ahead. I I remember, there's all kinds of horror, sound horror stories, like, place in Orlando, where I'm like, there were no
2: monitors. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And the booking guy was like, well, you didn't ask for monitors. I'm like, go get the contract. He got it. On the back was a fucking map, what we needed on the stage, and there were little blocks that said monitor on them. (laughs) You know, it's like, see? Well, it is a kind
0: of common thing that people need. (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, you can't. I'm like, I'm trying to explain, it. I'm going, you can't hear on the stage. And so they had no monitors. And I told them, I'm like, this is the point at which most bands <laughs> yeah. And you're fucked. you are not going to play. But I'm going to play. And it was just, I couldn't hear, we couldn't hear a fucking thing the whole night. It was miserable. I, I could hear Tucker's guitar. I could hear his Marshall guitar half flaring in my head. And that was pretty much it. All oh, I could hear. I couldn't hear myself, couldn't hear my guitar I and mean, what were you what were you about to tell a horror story?
0: Oh yeah. We played Richmond one time and the guy that showed up to do sound was completely high, like on heroin. And so he was he he was just not there, right? And so Mike Mike finally said stop touching things and just go ahead and leave. And he asked the DJ, he goes, Do you know how to turn the volume up and down? And the guy goes, yeah. And he's like,
1: then you're, don't, you're let him, don't
0: let him touch the board and you stand there and just turn the volume up. And down. But yeah, just stupid shit like that, you know? So that's but, why no,
2: was,
1: if
0: we play another show, we will bring a sound man with us.
2: Well,
1: I mean, I can't, And like, I, I was talking about doing shows, but, it, and, but I was really more talking about just doing acoustic stuff with me. And I'm leery of that because, I can be really terrible acoustic. Um, if I get if I That's get this, this what?
0: That's the risk. There's nothing to hide behind.
1: Yeah, you're naked. It's like being up there naked, man. You're yeah. like you're like there's nobody like like you fuck up. Like I get flustered. Like if, if things start going wrong and it snowballs and it's a nightmare. Because I've done some nightmare oh.
2: shows.
1: Um, and I also I need to. I need a sound check. The couple times where I came, I walked in and just started playing, and those have been bad shows too because um, I'm not practicing in that environment. I'm not practicing with that yeah. mic. I'm not practicing, and so how, what I'm hearing, and I'm, I'll have trouble getting in key with vocals. I'll have, uh, I, I can't. The guitar doesn't sound like I want it to, and and so it, it, it's something that just just running through a couple of things. Would help and a few times any the times i've done that have been pretty disastrous um uh i felt um but uh, you know the idea of getting a band and doing like multiple shows is um just not something i think is in the cards we um, just
0: wouldn't be because we always daydream like oh wouldn't it be nice to put a full band you know have David to they have mike and john and to be able to put the full band together and go out and perform like the way it sounds on the record and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, realistically we all live all over the country. We all have jobs. We all have health issues. We have a a child. And so it's like, we just, you know, Mike started playing the acoustic around the house. Like, God, it's been a couple years now. And so we always just kind of sing along and play in the house. We're like, well, this is what we're doing. This is the way to
1: do in it. Year, in a few years you can be like Patti Smith and you can have Dirk play with me.
0: Yeah
1: for sure. Um, well you know I, I, what I felt like I've always been a little like kind of a little like like I, I know it doesn't work this way people don't ask you to do this but it's like I think playing festivals would be cool um, but you know like there's no appropriate festival for somebody like me to play at, and then nobody's gonna really, they're not looking for somebody who's this offbeat weirdo that has a tiny following, you know? But I, I think that kind of thing would be like, anywhere I go that's a big city, I mean, you're gonna get like three people coming, you know? But if you do yeah. one show someplace where people are gonna come, you might get more. And I don't think people are like, if I were going to do so, I, I just, I would really, you know, I think Chicago is a good place to do stuff like that. I would love to just do like, I mean, even just a one night show here in Chicago with that whole, like not do a project festival, but just sure. do something with a bunch of new bands. And, you know, I'm lucky because a lot of times the people I would work with, um, you know, like one of the, I did a 20th anniversary show with a band here in Chicago and I did an acoustic thing in New York, both, which were very fun, but like for the Thanatos. I think it was 20th and 25th anniversary of the first record. And um, it was me, Tim Larson playing keyboards, and he doesn't usually play keyboards, William playing guitar and Eric playing bass as usual. And we practiced like twice. We ran through the songs like twice. And I already already know them because I fucking wrote them and I practiced them. I, you know, I know how to play them. And, um, my music is not super complicated. William can hear anything I fucking make up and play it like off the top of his fucking head. And so it, it was pretty simple. I keep kicking the Um It was pretty simple for them. So it's like we had, I think one of the practices, somebody didn't show up. Like it was like, we really practiced like all together like once.
3: And then yeah. we went out and
1: played. And it, was, it came out well. That is actually up at Bandcamp. That show is up at Bandcamp. So you, if you don't believe me and it it's good, you can go listen to it. It's at uh, door number three, It's the, you know, the, uh, you know uh, live thing. And um, so I'm lucky with that. Like if I were to get people to do it, it would be people like that. I I, don't, I find the notion of you're going to sit, like all these people I know that had bands and they practiced like fucking three times a week for like four months. I'm like, don't you fuckers know how to play? I mean, why do you need to practice for three months? I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't understand that. Um, I'm not even that great of a musician and I don't need to practice. I mean, to me, that's just bo- that just it makes it all, it makes, it turns it into, makes it boring. I'll be up there, I would be up there on stage playing, like, you know, thinking about my laundry, just because I'd be so sick of the song.
0: See, for me, and I think Mike is the same way, we, we want to remove all nervousness from it. So if I'm thinking about the lyrics, then I'm going to get so distracted by what's the next lyric that I'm not going to be into the performance as much. So that's why we practice a lot because it's like, I want it to be so hammered into my head that, that it's muscle memory. And I don't have to think about that so that I'm not distracted by being nervous for that reason. it
1: It sounds like I'm contradicting myself when I say this, because I'm not, because what I was saying was like, when I'm playing acoustic, I can get flustered and blah blah blah. But that is because of outside things. It's not because of right. I'm worried about. It's like technical. If there's a technical problem or there's things like that, that sends me on a, a like a spiral. And it's not like I'm never nervous. I've never been nervous in my life playing a show. Man, no. um, I am.
0: See, again like if i know my lyrics backwards and forwards and everything and i'm i don't have to think about that then if some jackass is distracting me in the crowd it's not going to throw me off but if i'm like fumbling for lyrics and then there's some jackass (laughs) you know what i mean then it it becomes this like whatever thing distraction that i I, you know people are paying you to perform i want to perform i don't want to like give them what they paid for
1: Kind I feel thing. like too much too much practice actually makes me worse in the sense that with a band now I do need to practice like I was talking to William Faith about this, how like we don't pick up a guitar sometimes for like four months. But then we're gonna do something you're gonna record or like I was going in to record with him at his studio and I'm like, I need to know these goddamn songs because <laughs> I don't wanna be in there like spending time and effort and money and everything recording this shit. Right and you know fucking around and so i i i practiced those a lot and i was always playing just to keep my hands working and um so there that's true i do need to do that with a band i just feel like for me and it's weird because i, I have a like i've always people always think it's weird because I have, I have bad social anxiety and everybody always thinks that's weird because i've like this seems so gregarious and so i'm going to act it's how I like I feel like I have to be entertaining. You bring me into a room full of people, like I feel like throwing up. It's more before I get there. I feel worse about it.
3: But That's it's like me too.
1: Yeah, once I get there I'm usually fine, but at the same time, I'm I'm kind of almost like performing in that instance in some way too. I feel like I have to be entertaining and engaging to everybody and, and that drives it makes me a nervous wreck.
3: Yeah. And yeah.
1: um but performing is different because I feel like I'm separate. Like I'm not with yes, them. Yeah, that is they're true. Over there and it doesn't, it doesn't have any impact on me. I don't worry about it. It's like, and- For it's, me, it's, it's definitely
0: the buildup of thinking, okay, I, I've got a show Friday. Monday, I start feeling sick about it. Yeah, And until I'm all the way there. Like if I could just cut from, on April 1st, we set a show on April 30th if I could just cut from April 1st to actually walking on the stage April 30th and not have that in-between part I would be fine it's that anticipational nervousness and anxiety that gets worse and worse and worse and worse
1: well I also worry about I worry about like like I'm not worried I get worried about promotion and stuff like that because it's like well, you never really know how many people are going to show up. Sure. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. Like, I've done shows and I've been like, wow, there's a lot of people here. And then I've done shows where it's like, you know, not a lot of people show up. And I, I found that, um like, I'm not a local band guy. I'm not like the local band. Cause, you know, these guys who go out and play on the weekends. Right. It, I, it's just never been me. I've never wanted to do that. I've never. And I find that it like. If I just, if I played in the same city over and over again, it, it would be diminishing returns and I'd wind up with three people there yeah. you know, eventually, if bad, be empty. Um, Cause it's not, again, it's the kind of music I think it's not like, I mean, I don't want to hear me play every fucking week because it can be kind of dreary. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I worry more about the, the weight, like figuring out how to get people to the show Yeah. And how I solve that problem is, is I basically, I I go into work mode. I'm like, okay, so how do I promote this? Who do I try to get to? Do I send out emails? Do I contact all the various calendar sections in the city? Do I do So that's how I work that out by like by working. And it it alleviates, um, even if it winds up doing nothing, it alleviates the, the, the the kind of anxiety and that yeah. is a, like the same sort of feeling is that like you know like i the thing i dread more than anything is wedding like i dread weddings they're like they're, that's a social event that is like ugh, just, yeah. it's, it's just they're not that is like the like all balled into one thing like what i hate yeah um, and um and so I, I'm old now, so I'm like you don't get invited. to Like when you're in your like mid to late 20s, you get invited to fucking a wedding every week, and I I, I uh, successfully avoided most of them. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't. Mike and I both. I mean, you, I'm weird because I'm like an extroverted introvert, but more introverted, I guess. And it's I think I'm a, a lot like you in that people would are surprised that we probably are is. Anxious about shit as we are, because I think we both kind of come across as like sort of bombastic in a lot of ways. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: But
3: at the same time, I
1: I could also be like very like loud and aggressive and. Sure. But it was also when I was younger, I was also drunk a lot. (laughs) So yeah, and and that was that was the reason for it. Like I was talking about people having drinking and problems and all that I always say you can have a drinking problem and not be addicted an addictive personality yeah. it can be you trying to like cover up anxiety like you don't you, you want to yeah. go out for the night when you're 20 but it makes you nervous because you going out have all these people and it's also why you go to the same place because you're so used to that place right but you could also develop the habit of before I go out I drink a fucking quart of Jack Daniels you know and
3: yeah um
1: and uh And that can be, even if you're not an addictive personality, that's unhealthy. And um, it's much better to just deal with it in other ways.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. I never was anxious like that when I was younger. Like I didn't have social anxiety that I, that I remember, but like the older I get and stuff and like, I've worked out of my house for 11 years now. So I don't even have to go into an office even before this pandemic. So I'm just very used to being at home and like in my controlled environment. So anything that's out of my routine, I start getting days leading up to it. Like the, the building it up in my mind, okay, next Tuesday, I have to go for this doctor's appointment and all the stuff that goes along with, you know what I mean? So I'm like, on the one hand, I really want to play shows again. But on the other hand, I'm like, but what if...
1: Yeah. You're creating problems for yourself. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. I'm like I'm just weird. I don't like like everything about everything I say like there's there's like I'm one thing and then I'm also the exact yes. opposite thing. And so it's like um I I don't I don't like having a routine. I don't like being trapped inside. I don't like even when I'm like like I work a lot like I've had jobs in the past, in the past where I worked part time, working at a wine shop or doing something like that. But it's a part time job, and what I mostly do is work doing freelance writing and freelance consulting about different things. And um, so I'm at home 90% of the time for that. But even when I do that, I have to get up and go out. Like I go out and you know, I will ride my bike. I'll make an excuse to go do something. Yeah. And I have to. I have to be out and doing stuff. And I find that if I'm doing anything creative, it's stifling to be trapped inside. I like to take a trip and go somewhere. Like I like to go, you know, even when I go down to visit Florida, it's a, it's, uh, you know, my family still lives there and I go down there, it's um, it's like something that works. And, you know, I make an excuse, like I I was co- I covered an art fair that was going on in Philadelphia. That was my excuse to go to Philadelphia. And while I'm there, I'm doing creative stuff in my head at the very least. Um, yeah. And so it's hard for me, like, I don't, I don't like a routine, but I still broadly have these things that are routines that I don't like to have broken. So it's kind of a combination of the two things. Um, And uh, I'm trying, I'm working really hard on doing a lot of music. And for me, I mean, I released the album in 2020. I released the album in 2021 and this year. I mean, another thing about streaming is I think that it behooves you to release a lot of music.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you look at your numbers on the streaming services, which is what I've been doing a lot lately, you find that um, you put out a record, and you get, you see the streams and how it goes up, your overall streams, you promote it a little bit and let people know about it. And maybe it's just Christmas time ending, but it's about a month or so out, and it's the only the first record I've done where I've really paid attention to the streaming, it just falls off. Yeah. And, and so I think, I think every three or four months releasing something is probably ideal.
3: Yeah, and, um
1: And oh. this is different from how it used to be. And um, uh, and so part of that is um, the cover record. I have another cover record. The 70. I'm doing 70 covers. And everybody has a different idea of what that means. I mean it in the broadest sense. It was recorded in the fucking 70s. It was came out in the 70s doesn't have to be any particular genre and um so i'm working on that and then i'm doing a record of new material that's going to be all not covered and i really want to do a christmas record hmm. i want to do like my ambition is to do three records this year a lot so we'll see i have a lot of ambitions that don't actually happen too
3: so
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um, The company I work for requires us to take classes, so many hours of classes, and I took a class today and the topic was, are you one of those people, a creative person that has too many projects going on? And how do you focus on like, like you have so much stuff that you want to do that you're just kind of stuck. Because which one do you do anyways? It was this whole thing about how to break it down and figure out how to prioritize and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'll never do any of this, but this is good information.
2: <laughs>
1: well, I, I work much better when I have 10 things to do. Like yeah, if, I, I I, I, one, if I have only one thing to do, I don't, I'll don't. i never get it done. But if you give me 10 things to do, I'll get all of them done. And um, I, I'm not, I think that's probably an attention deficit disorder thing because I can only pay attention to one thing for so long. I'm hopping around like a yeah. monkey in a tree. And, um, and so I, I like to, I always tell people like my theory, and it's not really my theory. I read this many years ago that, you know, attention deficit disorder is an evolutionary thing. And that is because if you were a Australopithecine out on the African plain and you could really focus on what's in front of you, you got eaten by a leopard, right? <laughs> If you were in Australia, scene you could pay attention to 10 things at once,
2: that makes you would sense. See the
1: left of something and you'd haul ass. And so I think that it's a, it's a, not always a negative thing. And like, I mean, the, 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 a friend of mine who just uh, told me this, it's like that behave, behaviors like that are not a problem unless they're a problem. Right. You know, like if, if you are like that and you make it work, more power to you. But if you're like that and it disrupts your life, right story. Right. And, um, and so I'm good at doing a bunch of different things, but usually they're different different It's not like three different music projects. Yeah. Um, and so this will be interesting to see. And I'm not doing them all at the same time, but I'm trying to get through doing them um, as fast as, um, as I can.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: And I love Christmas music.
0: I love Christmas too, and I love Christmas music.
1: Well, the problem is you gotta, oh, now I have to I have to record Christmas music when it's not Christmas, so you're kind of not in the Christmas spirit, you know? So like, yeah, Christmas is over, but you can't if you record it in November, then you're never going to get it out in time. Yeah, and so I have to probably I'll be recording fucking Christmas record in like June. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Daydream about it being cold out, I guess. I don't know.
1: I hate summertime because where I live, I live in a basement apartment, and it's like the windows are not set up so you can put an air conditioning unit, and it doesn't oh. have central air. So it's like a fucking oven in that oh place. My so I dread the summertime um, in Chicago, and I, I don't like hot weather in general. Even though I'm from Florida, I don't right. like hot weather. Um, but so it's like it'll be just totally not conducive to recording Christmas songs, like. Park the hair with angel fingers,
0: sweating. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like brutal. I hate being hot. I don't. Every day, like I mean, it's not so bad now because it's not hot. But as soon as it starts getting warm, I'm like, why the fuck are we here? Like, it's nonstop sun. And I know that you know, coming from the Midwest, I have a lot of family back there that are like, oh, I love the sun. I love the sun. It's like. Yeah, but it's like, there's never any clouds in the sky, and it's like glaring sun. There's like no escaping it. (laughs) Not the same thing. Not the same thing. Having sun here isn't the same as having a nice sunny day in in Chicago or Cleveland. You know what I mean?
1: Well, you also have like down there, you have like the dry heat. It's 105 degrees, and it's pretty miserable, but... Like South Florida, it's like fucking 95 degrees every day. When I grew up there, it actually has gotten worse. It's a lot hotter. I I, I um I saw the statistic that was that between, from not, like two years ago in 1970, there are something like three solid months more, like 90 days a year more of temperatures in the 90 degree range in South Florida than there were in
3: 1970.
1: Yeah. And so... And it's like, I grew up there, and back in those days, it wasn't quite as, it wasn't hot all the time. And now it's like, it's that you have a lot more really hot days, and then you have the muggy,
2: miserable
1: yeah. And I, I, I dislike that more than, the I mean, I remember being in Arizona, 110 degrees and going golfing. I was working for a band, and I went golfing.
0: Once the monsoon kicks in, the air, the humidity level does go up. So it'll be 110 degrees and the humidity level is elevated enough to where it's fucking miserable. And also, so a couple, like, what was it? Not this past summer, but the summer before we actually didn't get a monsoon at all. So there was literally no relief from it. Because at least when the monsoon starts, the humidity level goes up and it's really hot. But every day you have this like cloud buildup and like the potential for a rain. And when there was... There was no monsoon, so it was just like glaring sun and 110 degrees for like six months. Oh my god, not fun! Well,
1: it's funny in, in a couple of days, probably Monday. I'm gonna be all my friends in Florida are gonna be sending me these pictures of them by the pool and stuff because it's gonna be like four degrees below yeah. zero here. And um, but I'm like, no, I just don't go outside when it's that cool, right? What you, do. you stay. Right. It's It's not like you're going out for a walk when it's that. And it's like, I would rather have that than be like in December and it's 90. You know,
0: I I completely
1: agree.
0: I mean, like, this is the only, to me, this is the only good time of the year here. Like from about the end of October until the beginning of April. And even that can be iffy sometimes because the past, like, I think I've turned the air conditioner on in February, the last two years.
1: We're talking about weather now. That's amazing. <laughs> I we've we're, deep we're deep deep old people, we're like old people talking about weather. Next, we're going to be talking about our fucking hemorrhoids
2: or something. I know. How's your arthritis
0: <laughs> hanging in there? You know,
2: whatever. Like
0: <laughs> um, torn rotator cuffs. How about you?
2: <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: that's what we we, we, we should have. A, we should try to have some projects. We should try to make another uh, another festival happen. You could live your band dream, and we could do it here in Chicago. And just we'd have to pick the band, but so who, who would it be?
0: Um, well, I mean, I definitely think obviously the two of us, and then yeah. attrition, attrition would be good.
1: I don't know if Martin wants to come to the United States these days, I don't know how he feels about that.
0: Ah, uh, we could convince him,
3: yeah. You know, he Make does all watch our the- mastering. what
0: he does all of our mastering now,
1: yeah. He mastered. The last two Sanitas records. Right
0: yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, Martin would be good. I always like seeing him. It's nice to have him. It would be nice to have him over here. Uh, who else? there would have to be a fourth band. I mean, Sam, it's always hard to get him to get together and do a band because it's like it costs him so much to get everything together and do it. And I don't. I'm not. You know, I, I don't get the vibes that Sam really enjoys playing live all that much. Yeah. Um, I mean,
3: um, I would say love spirals
0: downwards, but they're love spirals now, and I don't know. But I think how funny
3: yeah, that I mean, would the, be.
1: The original. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Ryan. I don't know how Ryan feels about playing live. You have to ask him. But then you could also do like it doesn't. Does it have to be all the band? Oh, Michael Plaster. Will he be into it? I don't know. I haven't talked to him for years. Yeah. So or like the uh scott cortez lives here in chicago yeah or at least he did last time i knew anything maybe scott was and he plays here with a certain amount of frequency i saw him play not that i'm saying it's not that long ago it's probably five fucking years ago um (laughs) and uh he had this weird instrument he was using he he was really good i I always always really liked his music Um, yeah
0: i think he still plays shows because he's on my friend list and i i think he still plays shows
1: He's not real responsive when he, I I used to run into him on the bus and stuff every once in a while. I, I, I don't know. It's he's not always the easiest person to get hold of and maintain communication with he's like got his own kind of yeah vibe. Um but I'm trying to think who else was on Project back then? Uh I mean there's some of the bands that are newer, like and I'm saying newer. They were on Project like 20 years ago. Like Audra. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, right? it, it, it Audra for sure. Yeah, hey, Andrew, but like Audra, Audra wasn't on the label until after I left. I'm pretty sure, because um, I don't remember working one of their records or anything. But I like them. Um They're kind of near here.
3: are
1: they? Are they near here? Do they live in like Minnesota or something? I don't know where are they. No,
0: like? they live here. He lives a few miles oh, up. Uh, what yeah. Who am
1: I thinking of? There's another band I was thinking of, that I'm confusing them with. I actually I know Audrey's music. I have their records. So. Yeah. What the fuck was But hmm. was
0: Faith and Disease we, on project?
1: No, they were. Ten. Uh. And I think I think that is not going to work because I I, I think that is all dispersed in the wind. I don't know. You know hey maybe trance to the sun maybe, or moon i guess i guess yeah. they've moved their celestial body from yeah. the sun to the moon but you know i mean the problem is is that people getting here you know maybe it's like, instead of
0: calling it a project festival it's like the 90s uh american goth dark wave festival
1: <laughs> how many of those bands like there's a lot of things i'm not going to rag on people i'm not going to say their names.
0: something just happened. I don't, I'm not sure what happened. I'm going to wait and see if he pops back on. And then if not, I'll ended here just before we were getting ready to talk crap about people not really there's nobody to talk crap about uh i think he might have i think his battery actually might have died that's what it's looking like on my screen yep all right all right my friends i'm gonna end it here it was nice uh, hanging out again. it's been a while and i will talk to you again soon bye